Hi, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another one-on-one podcast. And with me this afternoon, I have Matthew Myers, who's co-founder and CEO of Tidal Labs. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. So, as I understand it very broadly, Tidal Labs is involved in the influencer marketing space and is bringing a range of technologies to bear on, on that space. That's right. And you're a fairly new company, I think, so why don't you start me at the but beginning? We are. We're, no, we're, we're about five or six years old, okay. but we have really only been working much with brands in the last two years, okay. um, as brands have really embraced influencer marketing and needed to go to a step two, more centralized, automated, uh, scalable, and kind of metric-based way to look at influencer marketing. So, um, yeah, it, it's a lot of people on the brand side haven't heard of us because of that. So what were you doing before you worked with brands? We were mostly working with publishers. When, okay. when we started out uh, about six years ago, some of our first clients and partners were major magazines. So we got into Condé Nast and we worked with Teen Vogue and then Details and Lucky Magazine and um, Epicurious Architectural Digest. And a lot of these magazines are looking at ways to connect with their audiences and produce more content for less money um, and also preserve a lot of their, their revenue that they're no longer getting from advertising. Sure. They needed a way to do it through other types of channels, like native advertising and uh, influencer marketing. So they worked with us to power the technology to do that. Okay. Now I think most of our listeners hopefully are familiar with the idea of influencer marketing. I mean, we, we see it in a very simple way on Twitter every day when you have sure. uh, you know, personalities going out there and talking about brands or acquisitions or purchases, whatever mm-hmm. they've got to show mm-hmm. off. But the aspect which I think is interesting for us today is the challenges it presents uh, in terms of technology scaling it, doing it, you know, doing it sure. on a large scale. So, what are the challenges you, you faced? And that's the main issue right now. Is a lot of companies are just either beginning to do influencer marketing or are a little further along and have been doing it for a couple of years. But most everybody, whether at, at the brand level, um, with their agencies, um, whether that's a PR agency or media agency or any of them, they're managing this process fairly manually. (laughs) They will find people on Twitter or through their blog or on Instagram or wherever it may be. They'll reach out to them. They'll send them product. They'll get them involved. They'll um, check and see how they're doing all, all fairly manually through yeah. email and spreadsheets and lots of manpower. And then when and it comes to managing and payments and all that kind of thing, it's it, also yeah. it can be quite a burden. And so th- th- that's not really scalable, of right. course. Um, you have to keep adding people to keep managing it. And so in some ways what we've seen is at the PR agency level, there, there a lot of them are increasing staff, they're getting more budget uh, as brands look to transfer money away from the traditional media buys to this type of marketing. But in the end, it's a lot harder to track. It's not really, um, can't scale it beyond a certain point when you you are limited in that fashion. Sure. So a brand, say a large brand, is perhaps trying to 
develop, you know, a hundred or more influencers. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know how many they'd be working with. Sure. What What are the things they they can start to do? What do they need to start looking at to be able to make that manageable? Um, so, so the first thing we manage uh, networks on behalf of brands that could be anywhere from a hundred people on the low end up to maybe a couple thousand um, on the high end of influencers and. Just beginning, we, we have a few networks that are even much larger than that, that are in the tens of thousands, and just beginning to, to think of ways to tap into the existing customer lists and CRMs and other databases that are out there right now and figuring out who are amongst these people are, is an influencer. Uh, because one thing that, that somewhat changed is even the definition of it. Of it. You don't have to be a Kardashian necessarily right. <laughs> to be an influencer. We, you and I and uh, our moms we, we have a hundred friends or followers, and so um, the idea that at, at scale is there a way to bring those people in and do it in a efficient manner has kind of changed even the nature of what an influencer is. But generally, that that first piece that we'll do when we're onboarding a new client is is figuring out what is the pool of people that they're going to be working with. What what are they looking for as far as influencers? Are they looking for good quality content to feed their own channels, um, their own social media? Are they looking for huge reach? Do they, they want those super celebs? Um, and then how can we back into that based on existing relationships based on the network of people that we have in our database um, and what do they want to look like a year from now or six months from now. Okay. Um, but really thinking about that strategy now, we can back into that. So I guess it's a mix of, if you, if you take a brand, becomes your, your customer, you're going to look at who's already out there in the social space advocating for them. But you can also, from your own database, you can make recommendations, you can add to the list? We can. And so we have a database of more than half a million. Um, We usually search out against maybe 50,000 of those and look against what are the quantitative measures as far as who has performed well in the past, who has some brand affinity either to directly to that brand or to another brand in, in that set. Um, so part of what we do is profiling everybody in our database or in, that are brought in um, based on the content they've produced in the past, try to figure out what are the different tags and affinities. Because um, it's really annoying if you have to fill out a survey of <laughs> 500 questions about what magazines you read and what yes. brands you buy. But there's a lot now that can be done through automation of figuring that out um, based on what they're talking about because so much data is revealed in public. So we tap against that, um, usually create a list of anywhere from a couple dozen up to a couple hundred tags, and then we'll say, well, who, who are the lookalike types of companies in your space or interests of your consumer or even the people that your consumer follows and try to build that out. And this is where some of the most interesting technology challenges are um, because you're, you're playing that matchmaking game and, right. and computers and algorithms are, are very good at that, um, taking large pools of people and discerning it down. 
So we can use this closed-loop way of working with our clients and showing them 10 or 20 or 30 at once, having them grade from 1 through 10, who do they like, who do they not like, and then continuing to reveal more based on what um, info they're giving us. So you're teaching the algorithms more based on the feedback? Yeah, and and we we figured this out even very early on when we were first working with... um, magazines that we have there. Um, magazine editor's job is to be super picky and pick out the, the best people. And so even though we could show by tech, here's the people we think would do really well. Um, in the end, Teen Vogue would always say, well, who looks like a Teen Vogue girl? So it, it becomes that quantitative and qualitative way. Of so you get the human mixing. The human insight. For sure. And so we had to figure out, well, how can you scale that um, to make it easy to to train this, um, but at the same time not be super time-intensive? Sure. Yeah. It sounds analogous to developing really granular marketing segments. It's as if you're finding people you want to sell to. In this case, Uh you're finding people who can effectively influence. Yeah, and so... um, I went to school for marketing, and it was definitely in the back of my head. Is we had to develop a lot of this, the categorizations and um, the different way we, we bucket people. And in the back of my mind the whole time was the different, you know, Claritas and other kinds of marketing segmentation sure. that I, I learned in school and such. Um, so is somebody a a blue blood or a, you know, (laughs) whatever it may be. And then are they an up and comer or are they a maven? And so we created a lot of the, the, how do you categorize and bucket influencers? Um, so you can figure out who somebody is, how much they'll cost. Um, and because it's a fairly new segment, not much standardization existed in the past. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, that's something I wanted to ask about in terms of rewards for influencers. For sure. Because I don't know what an influencer would even expect. Yeah, and that's one of the big problems is you as a a marketer don't know what they would expect. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily know what to ask, and so it's become this Wild West problem of if you reach out as a marketer um, to 10 different people with 10... with the exactly the same amount of following, you'll get 10 wildly different price tags. Imagine, yeah. And so the, one of the first pieces we had to build was a, a rate card that would look at what is the following of somebody, what vertical are they t- discussing in, is it um, software as a service technology, or is it fashion selfies? Yeah. Uh, and then what are they being asked to do? Do they have to make a post? Do they have to make a really long, detailed article? Um, and then from that, develop what, what are the standard rates? Um, right. And so that can fluctuate based on if it's men's fashion instead of women's fashion, or if it's um, they're being asked to go to an event versus um, just go and write something without attending an event, but kind of figuring out what are the, the standard buckets for that. So that you as a marketer know what to expect and it from the influencer side too. Here, here's the standard. Um, potentially there could be negotiation off of that, but mm-hmm. having a little bit of guidance. Yeah, some of the stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, something you hinted at earlier, which must be part of this, is that maybe some brands just want people to go out there and be advocates, but some brands would also like to have another source of trusted content. So sure. do you use the generated content a big part of this? Yeah, and so... With our various clients, some are 
working with us more for that content generation piece. They're looking at, like, well, what's the expense of creating an article or a photo shoot or a video Mm in-house or via one of our partner agencies or what what would be the cost of doing it through influencer platform like Tidal and then also looking at the ROI. Um, Because generally we found that this authentic content, especially on social channels, resonates and converts a lot better than brand-produced content or even agency-produced content um, that looks more polished. Um, If you're on Instagram or Pinterest, uh, a lot of times you want to see what looks like somebody else's house or somebody else's kitchen or somebody else's outfit. Uh, Maybe if they dress slightly better or (laughs) take slightly better pictures, but um, that, that authenticity kind of is why you go to those places as opposed to um, going to a, a traditional publisher. Now, one thing I've, I, I've heard from some people, and interest to get your perspective, is that the rise of influencer marketing and user-generated content, it doesn't mean that brand marketing is going to go away, but it's that brands have to find ways to align themselves with what their advocates and their best customers sure. are doing. Yeah, and that that's um, really the important part for for agencies and for even the leaders of the marketing team is setting the strategy, figuring out the calendar for the year, figuring out what those key moments are going to be, um, and then how they'll be supported both in-house with influencer content, with larger social UGC kind of earned type content, and then kind of looking at the pyramid of how can we blend these roles and take bits and pieces for all of it across the year. Uh, and you'll never be able to completely outsource <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, that. That always has to be said and has to be... You have to have buy-in at, at the highest levels for that. Um, and the, the better that the team is at doing that piece, the better results you're going to have. Um, but on the other side, there also has to be the ability to have some freedom in working with influencers. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll see programs underperform if they're too heavy-handed in the telling what people to do. If they're bring all the creativity out of it, then yeah. no longer is it becoming interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, if you're going to just give people instructions, you might as well have a marketer on your team tell them, go and do this. Right, <laughs> exactly. Then they're, they're just an agency creator. Okay, I mean, I'm curious about which um, industries, which business sectors are really getting ahead on this. You mentioned sure. earlier some amazingly large networks. I mean, what, what kinds of businesses are really into this? So, um, some of the early adopters was especially in the parenting space. So, mm. we, we've definitely seen sampling and um, mom networks and mom blogging be a right. big thing for more than a decade now. Um, and so... That space was was definitely one of the early adopters, and then the next one has been in in fashion, where a lot of budgets have been moving over from TV and print to all of a sudden, like, influencer can throw off a lot of sales very quickly. So those have been the the early adopter segments. Um, We're beginning to see a lot more movement everywhere else, though, Um, with, with some exceptions. It's... 
it's going to take a long time before pharma and finance and some of these more regulated areas sure. are, are going to have the ability. But certainly in CPG and in personal finance and uh, travel has been right. a huge boom where very quickly we're seeing real budget move over from media spend into this blended kind of creation, distribution type model that's done with influencers. That makes a lot of sense because, of course, there are independent uh, sites out there. TripAdvisor comes to mind as mm-hmm. this one. This is Yelp, even more obvious. Yeah. Um, where there's a lot of influencing going on. And my goodness, brands would like to get hold of some of this good influence. And it's going to be, you know, where are your consumers? Yeah. <laughs> are your consumers the ones buying your products? Are they, they on Pinterest all day? Are they yeah. on... Um, Facebook all day, like what you'll notice actually is that the verticals are um, have specific channels. So the blind blog, Facebook is the big one by far, Um, and we'll see posts that get tens of thousands of comments on Facebook. It's it's crazy. Um, In fashion, it's it's completely Instagram at home. It's very much Pinterest. It's very interesting how uh, specific some of those channels are, and they have each their specific kind of content that works and challenges and everything else. Absolutely. Okay, well, we're running out of time, but I thought to, to close up, let me ask you how you see this space going. It's obviously growing. Sure. Are we anywhere near the peak yet? No. Um, the way I've always equated the space has been we're, we're kind of looking at mobile marketing in the mid-2000s. Of, there's a lot of investment being made. It was, it was very noisy space. But it hadn't yet gotten the full adoption that we're seeing. Um, very quickly, everybody's realizing that this is the future. This is, will be how we, we reach consumers. Um, but my guess is another five years from now, we're, we're really going to see a lot of the collapse of some of those traditional channels. Interesting. And out of necessity, um, it will be a lot bigger than it is now. Right, right now, most... Influencer efforts still are in the experimental phase for brands. They'll, they'll put some test campaigns here and there. Um, but a lot of what we do is, is moving that into the marketing mix and saying, how do you track ongoing? How do you track to ROI? And so that is the setup for bigger and bigger budgets over the next 10 years is kind of flowing into this space. Got it. Okay, well, that's a lot to watch out for there. Thanks, Matthew, for joining us. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. And everyone, look out for the next one-to-one podcast.